Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. A deadly winter storm sweeps across multiple states in the south. Icy roads leading to dangerous and even fatal conditions. In higher education, the College Board puts out its official AP African American Studies course. What has changed from an earlier proposal that Florida called illegal? Another search for classified documents at the president's beach home in Delaware. What was retrieved from Biden's Rehoboth Beach House? And what was the White House's reaction? The Fed delivers a small rate hike, while Biden and McCarthy meet to talk about borrowing more money. An economist weighs in. The first hearing on border security held today by the House Judiciary Committee. Is the GOP laying the groundwork to impeach the Secretary of Homeland Security? We have reactions from both sides. And in the NFL, the one dubbed the greatest of all time, Tom Brady, announces his retirement again. What he says this time. At least six people are dead and over a quarter million are without power. That's as an icy winter storm moves across several southern states. Here's the update. Weather watches and warnings stretch from Texas to Tennessee and Mississippi. At least six people have died as bands of sleet and snow create hazardous road conditions. The police department of Van, Texas posted these pictures on Facebook, telling people that roads are slick, slow down and take your time. Fortunately, police say no one was injured in those truck crashes. Videos from Dallas show icy highways and people freeing the windows of their cars from layers of ice. Automotive website Edmonds says changing from all-season tires to winter tires could help prevent accidents. As of Wednesday afternoon, over 300,000 Texans were without power, according to poweroutage.us. On top of that, over 3,000 flights were canceled on Wednesday alone, and the storm is expected to continue. A National Weather Service forecaster says it actually looks like it's going to be getting worse again across Texas. It is already a pretty big area of freezing rain across western and southwestern Texas. The winter weather is expected to move northeastward across parts of Oklahoma and Arkansas into western Tennessee and dissipate by late Thursday. Reporting by Arian Pazdar, NTD News. And in Memphis, Tennessee today, the funeral of Tyree Nichols. Vice President Kamala Harris and other politicians and activists were in attendance calling for change. We demand that Congress pass the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Joe Biden will sign it. And we should not delay and we will not be denied. It is non-negotiable. Some of us are going to fight until we make this legislation happen. I don't know when, I don't know how, but we won't stop until we hold you accountable and change the system. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said President Biden would meet with Representative Stephen Horsford and members of the Congressional Black Caucus to discuss the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. And the Memphis City Council is considering police reforms after Nichols' death at the hands of five officers following a traffic stop. And over to higher education, the College Board has released its official curriculum for an, an advanced placement African-American studies course. 
Last month, Florida rejected the proposed curriculum. NTD's Arlene Richards explores some of the changes. The College Board now offers an AP African American Studies course. The official curriculum came out on Wednesday. A previous version of this course required topics like Black Lives Matter and debates over reparations. Now those are research topics rather than part of an exam. And the official curriculum no longer includes secondary materials on touchy subjects, such as critical race theory and queer social movements. This may be in response to strong criticism from Florida to a preview of the course. In January, the Florida Department of Education's Office of Articulation sent a letter to the College Board stating the course is inexplicably contrary to Florida law and significantly lacks educational value. Last April, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed the Stop Woke Act into law. The act limits how race-related issues are taught in public universities, colleges, and workplace training. In a statement, DeSantis said, in Florida, we will not let the far-left woke agenda take over our schools and workplaces. There is no place for indoctrination or discrimination in Florida. He reiterated that sentiment on Tuesday during an announcement of reforms to higher education. We're centering higher education on uh, integrity of the academics, excellence, pursuit of truth, teaching kids to think for themselves, not trying to impose an orthodoxy. NTD reached out to DeSantis's office to find out if the updated version of the course complies with Florida law. We haven't gotten a response yet. David Coleman, the head of the college board, told the New York Times the changes were not made to bow to political pressure. Rather, he said, the changes came from the input of professors and long-standing AP principals. He said, we experimented with a lot of things, including assigning secondary sources, and we found a lot of issues arose as we did. Required course content for the updated curriculum still includes discrimination of black women, racial identity, and racial classifications. Arlene Richards, NTD News. Amid an ongoing investigation, the Justice Department searches President Biden's Rehoboth Beach home in Delaware for classified documents. This as the Republican House Speaker holds his first one-on-one -on -one discussions with Biden. NTD's Iris Tao has more. The Justice Department searched President Biden's vacation home in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, on Wednesday morning. That's according to Biden's lawyers, who later said investigators found no classified documents. But Biden's attorney said officials did take some documents from that home, including, quote, some materials and handwritten notes that appeared to be related to Biden's time as vice president. We're going to invite the press to leave. Biden on Wednesday did not take reporters' questions on the latest search. But the White House Counsel's Office spokesperson told reporters that Biden's been fully cooperative. Offering unprecedented access to his home in Wilmington, to his home, every single room of his home in Rehoboth as well. as. But he wouldn't say if the FBI had searched any other locations related to Biden. I don't want to speak too much to the DOJ's practices in an ongoing investigation. All this as House Speaker Kevin McCarthy talks to Biden about the debt ceiling. Here's what he says afterwards. I think at the end of the day, we can find common ground. I really do. I've been very clear. The current path we're on, we cannot sustain. We've got to change the directory to put ourselves on a path to balance. The White House, however, insisted on Wednesday that it's lawmakers' basic duty to lift the debt ceiling. Reporting from the White House, Iris Tao, NTD News. And earlier today, I spoke with Vance Ginn, president of Ginn Economic Consulting and senior fellow at Young Americans for Liberty, for his analysis.
Vanskin, welcome to our show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Now, Biden and McCarthy are meeting today to discuss the $31.4 trillion debt ceiling. Biden says the debt limit should be raised without conditions and that he won't budge on that. What are your thoughts? Well, we've had a lot of spending over the last couple of years. Uh, more than $7 trillion have been added to the national debt. We're now we're at $31.4 trillion. It's a massive amount of money that's owed by the American people. And we need to do something here with raising the debt ceiling. This shouldn't just be nothing is being done when the ultimate problem is excessive government spending. We've seen this both Republicans and Democrats over time. And right now is a great opportunity for them to start to rein in government spending so we don't fall into the situation where we may default on the debt or something else. I don't think that's actually going to happen at the end of the day. But we need some sort of fiscal restraint to be able to move on so that we don't continue to hit the debt limit so quickly. And what are your thoughts on how to go about doing that? I think the big way to do this ultimately is we need a spending limit um, at the end of the day to where if you're going to increase the budget by a dollar, we should have $3 cut or $2 cut, something where there's some exchange here. And ultimately, we need to be looking at everything throughout the budget. The two main drivers of the budget really are Social Security and Medicare. I know those are things that most people don't want to talk about, is, you know, that, that puts retirees and others a little bit at ease. Um, but I think there are some things that we need to look at, maybe, maybe raising the retirement age or something along those lines to look at um, making sure that they're solvent over time so that retirees can get the funds that they're expecting in the future. But ultimately, you know, Young Americans for Liberty, we're really all about reducing government spending. That way we have lower taxes and a more productive private sector. We've come out the other side of some very rough years. Supporters of raising the debt limit say the spending is warranted in these times of needs. What are your thoughts on that? I think initially, um, when you think about 2020 and what happened during the pandemic and the shutdowns and the recession and how many people lost their jobs during that time. I mean, look, I was in the White House as chief economist of the Office of Management and Budget at that time. Um, and I noticed that there was a lot of opportunity for increased spending as they sent out checks Congress did and everything else. And so maybe at that time, that was the right thing to do. Um, but now, you know, two and a half years later, and, and even after that period, there was a lot of excess government spending, large spending packages that went into the economy. And we just didn't get the return on investment that we otherwise, I think, would want from the government spending. Some supporters of raising the debt limit say that failing to do so could cause a recession, but you've said that it's the government's previous and current spending that's causing a recession. Tell me more about that. I think ultimately, whenever you think about government spending, what is that really doing? It's just redistributing dollars around throughout the economy. It's taking from some and it's giving to others. Um, and when you're doing that, you're not really growing the economic pie. We're not getting economic growth. In fact, it can disincentivize people to work if you're giving them more in safety nets, and that actually leads to less economic growth and productivity over time. And so if we could cut government spending, I think that would actually be more of an economic support for growth. If you look at GDP numbers, gross domestic product, from the fourth quarter of 2021 to the fourth quarter of 2022, the economy only grew by 1%. It was the slowest growth in a, in a year of a recovery since 2009. And so, again, this isn't much growth at, at all anyway, even with this massive government spending. Um, and so if we were to default in the debt, which I don't expect for us to do, um, this, this would mean a larger, deeper recession. So to, in order to avoid that, we need to make changes now that will put us on a path to fiscal sanity, fiscal solvency. And the way to do that is by cutting government spending. Now, the Federal Reserve raised rates by 25 basis points today, or a quarter point. That's the smallest hike since March. What's significant about this? 
Right. I mean, the Federal Reserve raised their target interest rate um, 25 basis points up with a with a range from from 4.5 percent to 4.75 percent. And they started this, as you said, from March 22 to now. This is the eighth hike. Um, most of those were much faster than 25 basis points. So what it signals is that they feel, the Fed feels like they're getting more control over inflation, that they don't need to raise interest rates as fast because inflation is starting to slow down. The problem is, is that we already have a, an inflated economy. Um, you know, food prices are up 10% just year over year. Core prices, even if you exclude food and energy, is up almost 6% year over year. That's three times higher than what the Fed would like to have it at 2%. So there's still a lot of inflation in the economy. And look, ultimately, we've got to look at the Federal Reserve's balance sheet, which is around $9 trillion, a massive balance sheet that they use to pump money into the economy and manipulate markets. And until we can finally end the Fed, which I would like to see and the Young Americans for Liberty would like to see you know, ending the Fed one day, you've got to put in some monetary rules. And while they only raise the basis, you know, the Fed funds rate uh, by 25 basis, points today, I'm hoping that they'll make other measures, because if not, inflation will continue to soar and hurt Americans. We've had 21 straight months of real wages declining year over year. That's hurting Americans. They can't keep up with all the prices that are going around them, much less eggs. And so we've got a long way to go here. I think the Fed will continue to raise rates for a while longer, which is why the stock market was down initially after they raised their rate. Um, and so we've got more to do. All right, Vance Ginn, president of Ginn Economic Consulting and senior fellow at Young Americans for Liberty. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. The House Judiciary Committee today began its probe of the border surge, possibly laying the groundwork to impeach the Secretary of Homeland Security. Democrats say immigration is being used as a political weapon, while Republicans highlight the dangers of the unprecedented surge in illegal crossings. NTD's Melina Wisecup reports from Capitol Hill. Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan kicking off the very first hearing on the border, pointing to those record high numbers. 1.7 million, the number of illegal migrants that Joe Biden released into American communities. 2,378,944, the number of illegal migrants encountered by CBP on the southwest border in 2022, the highest number. And after hitting those record high numbers, it's now looking like the number of illegal crossings is on the decline. We're still waiting for those official numbers to be published for the month of January, but they are expected to be lower. And the Biden administration says this is due, this is a result of its policies, its latest policies, which expands humanitarian parole for migrants coming from certain countries. Democrats today echoing that same message, saying that there should be solutions to address the root cause of the illegal immigration surge. There's not one one solution because there's not one one problem. Uh, you've got people who are seeking asylum for legitimate reasons, fleeing from communist countries, feeling, fleeing from torture. Uh, we need that's permitted under the law. We need a better way to process those. Immigration reform is very difficult. The last time we had immigration reform was what, 35 years ago? under that great Republican, President Ronald Reagan. Republicans, however, point to national security issues such as the surge in fentanyl smuggling and empowering cartels, saying that these are the result of the Biden administration's current border policies. Representative Andy Biggs today filed articles of impeachment against DHS Secretary Mayorkas. Here's why. Uh, the amount of drugs and fentanyl, you're still only apprehending and interdicting about 10% according to their estimate. But you have more than ever. You got more uh, terrorists coming in. You got more criminal gang members. You got 
So the numbers belie it too. His statements, I've got a whole list of statements that he has made uh, that were untrue. And Speaker McCarthy has called on Mayorkas to resign, otherwise face investigations like this, which could lay the groundwork for his impeachment. And Republicans are hitting this issue from multiple areas. In addition to this hearing in the House Judiciary Committee today, next week the House Oversight Committee will also have border agents come and testify. Now the Republicans say that this move by the DHS to allow these Border Patrol agents to come testify is a direct response to the GOP threatening subpoena power. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Weiskup, NTD News. And even with all the rain California got, it is still not enough to quench the state's thirst in the long run. Recently, the state decided to opt out of a century-old pact between seven states to distribute the water from a common source. The Colorado River, a stream that provides drinking water to 40 million people in seven states, is drying up. California, Colorado, New Mexico, Utah, Wyoming, Nevada, and Arizona operate under a 100-year-old compact to distribute water from the river, but the agreement has been increasingly strained from droughts. At the end of January, California split from the other six when faced with a U.S. government deadline to negotiate their own reductions or possibly face mandatory cutbacks enforced by the federal government. What happened today was a step forward. Six of the seven basin states are playing catch up to reduce water use from the Colorado River, which is absolutely critically needed. A century ago, the agreement assumed the river would provide 20 million acre feet of water each year. The river's actual flow in the past two decades has averaged 12.5 million acre feet, leaving state water managers with more rights on paper than water that exists in the river. California receives the largest allotment. Its $50 billion agricultural industry continues to consume 80% of the state's supply. Many experts see the state's decision to sit out the agreement is increasing the chances of the water fight ending up in the nation's highest courts. We have a situation where some of the water rights holders in California are saying uh, we're, we're, not, we're not willing to give up more water uh, and we think we have legal rights and we're willing to go to court if we have to. Uh, and that's that's uh, not a solution here. Uh, and there's not enough time uh, to, to litigate these issues. Uh, so much is at stake. According to Hayes, drastic conservation will be needed to protect dwindling reservoirs from overuse. And if you have any news tips or feedback for our show, you can email us at eveningnews at ntd.com. Coming up, a new survey on Americans' opinion about aid to Ukraine. The poll indicates dwindling support for the amount of help the U.S. is providing. And in football news, he's won a record seven Super Bowls and is the all-time leader in numerous categories. Today, Tom Brady is retiring. NTD's Dave Martin recaps his saga. That and more coming up. More and more Americans are now saying that the U.S. is giving too much aid to Ukraine. That's according to a new survey conducted by the Pew Research Center. Over a quarter of the people surveyed said the U.S. is providing too much support to Ukraine. That's up six percentage points since last September and up almost 20 points from last March. 
At the same time, around 20% said the U.S. is not providing enough aid. That number is down from over 40% around a year ago. However, the number of Americans who approve of President Biden's overall approach to the Russia-Ukraine war is still higher than the number who disapprove. Over 40% approve of the approach, while about a third disapprove. And now over to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories. Thank you, Steph. Tom Brady's retiring again. Brady famously retired last year, only to unretire some 40 days later. This time, though, in an announcement made on social media, Brady seemed very serious about it. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first. So. His farewell was short and sweet, seeing you only get one emotional retirement essay. The man who won a record seven Super Bowls and is the all-time leader in passing yards and touchdowns thanked everyone from his family and friends to his teammates and even his competitors. Uh, I could go on forever. There's too many. Um, thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. This season, though, wasn't exactly a fairy tale ending for the one dubbed the greatest of all time. Brady's Buccaneers struggled on offense while dealing with a number of injuries to their offensive line. The team limped into the playoffs with a losing record and were beaten soundly by the Dallas Cowboys. Up next for Brady, though, looks to be a career in broadcasting as he reportedly signed a 10-year, $375 million deal last year with Fox Sports to be their lead analyst upon retirement. And for your sports viewing schedule tonight, the NBA has eight games planned for this evening, and that includes the reigning champion Golden State Warriors and former MVP Steph Curry, who's averaged nearly 36 points a game over his last three. They play at Minnesota. And finally, for you hockey fans, another slow night in the NHL as just two games are on tap. The Buffalo Sabres host the streaking Carolina Hurricanes, who've won six in a row, and the Boston Bruins, who have the league's best record, play at the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that's it for your sports news today. Steph, all yours. Thanks, Dave. Now, for space lovers, here's something to keep an eye on. A comet that visited us tens of thousands of years ago is streaking back our way and today is the best day to spot it in the Northern Hemisphere. A green comet is zooming closer to our planet for the first time in 50,000 years. It's set out from a distance 2,000 times farther from the sun than the Earth is. So it's interesting because it comes from a region that is so far out in the solar system. It's a region we call the Oort Cloud, a very mysterious, not well understood region where we have a reservoir of comets that are left over from the formation of the Earth and Sun uh, more than, well, billions of years ago. Nicknamed dirty snowballs, comets are balls of ice, dust, and rocks. As they approach the Sun, the thinner outer layers melt, forming a cloudy outward-facing tail. For this one, the emerald hue it has reflects its chemical composition. So the reason it's green is because its surface is covered in uh, molecules that are known as uh, diatomic carbon. So th that is two carbon atoms that are bonded together. And the green is caused by the effect of the sun's ultraviolet radiation shining down onto the comet. 
Discovered last March, astronomers relied on a wide-field camera at Caltech's Palomar Observatory. But now, it's possible to capture the beauty of the comet with binoculars. The comet will appear as a very faint, fuzzy patch in the sky. It will come around uh, and brighten up where we can see it toward the north, passing fairly near the, the North Pole, and then move around, uh, diving quickly toward the southern hemisphere. It's likely to be too faint to see with the naked eye, so people should try to find it with a pair of binoculars or a small telescope. NASA scientists are expecting new discoveries from observing the comet. We're going to be looking for the, the fingerprints of given molecules that we can't access from the ground. So things that are in our own Earth's atmosphere, like water, carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide, methane, we're going to be looking for those fingerprints in this comet and be able to study things that we haven't been able to see. Stargazers in the southern hemisphere will have to wait until next month to catch a glimpse. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox. Good night.